All right, what's up, class? This is Optimus Fields at My Living Truth. We're at block height 653,763, and the current price is $12,890. Take it away, Nick. Before we start, we're going to just say a quick word from our sponsor. Citadel 21 is a Bitcoin cultural zine and displays the best of the best written content by the taco plebs for the taco plebs. You can read their articles online for free or even purchase physical copies of all your favorite volumes. But you got to be quick because they only sell a limited amount and they sell out real fast. They allow anyone and everyone to submit articles. So if you're eager to write something, I highly recommend you do it. I've done it. I know Optimus is thinking about doing it. I know some people here in the chat like Fartface have done it. Actually, his article, his new one just came out today in the edition that came out today. So I'll be reading that later on. And you can read these articles at their website, citadel21.com, and the link will be in the description. So without further ado, my name's Nick at Nick Cantline. And the other week, I wrote an article called Lies, Deception, and Unnatural Money. I had it. Uh, Parker Lewis from Unchained Capital helped me edit it and uh, kind of structure it a bit. But the whole idea behind this article was I feel like not enough people understand the monetary system and how it is really screwing them over. It's really frustrating at times when you try to explain how Bitcoin is this pure you know, system that fixes the problems of the broken financial system and people are just so reluctant to it. And they say, oh, that, you know, how can the current financial system be a scam? That doesn't make sense. Bitcoin has to be the scam. And um, they trust in a system that is built on lies. It's very deceiving. And the money we use today via money printing is very unnatural. So... I'm going to go through some of these slides, and I have my article opened up on another computer, and we'll just go right through it. So, introduction. The I have a quote here from Henry Ford. I'm sure everyone knows who Henry Ford is. And he said, it is well enough that the people of the nation do not understand our banking and monetary system. As for if they did, I believe there would be a revolution before tomorrow morning. And we can see this playing out in real time today. This was said in the 1900s, the early 1900s. And as you learn more about Bitcoin, you learn that the financial system is broken, it's corrupt. And the one thing I noticed about the financial system we use today, it is not, you have to be careful when you say it's broken because it's broken for some people, but it's really working perfectly as intended, meaning it's very biased towards the elites and people in positions of power as it completely does not work for the lower middle class and poor people. So what actually makes money valuable? Money, good money typically has six main characteristics. And these are durability, portability, divisibility, uniformity, scarcity, limited supply, and acceptability. All effective monetary media throughout history have 
possess some sort of combination of these qualities. Historical forms of money include gold, silver, stones, seashells, glass beads, and more. And what I mean it's uh, money before has possessed these qualities is, for example, seashells. It's they actually let's just go with gold. Gold is somewhat durable, but over time it can, you know, deteriorate, deteriorate and go away. You can destroy gold. It's not very portable. It's not very divisible, but it is scarce. It is accepted. Um, Same thing with all these other ones, like glass beads, obviously not very durable. Divisible, they can be divisible if you just make them smaller and smaller. They're portable, but, you know, they're not limited in supply. You can always make a, uh, a ton more. So each one of all the money before Bitcoin has had these problems where they lack all the characteristics of good money or they fail to retain it. So good money, it comes and goes, and it has always served a particular role in society. But over time, historically, good money has often become bad money as society has shifted to a better form of money. So... As we see, like today in a real life example, fiat, it was considered somewhat good money back in, you know, when the fiat standard first started, but now it's quickly turning into bad money. So you may be asking yourself if these characteristics are what make good money, then how can good money turn into bad money and fail? So off the bat, we have a quote from Satoshi Nakamoto who said, the root problem with conventional currency is that is all the trust that's required to make it work. The central banks must be trusted to not debase the currency, but the history of fiat currencies is full of breaches of that trust. We all know that if humans are able to print money, they will. Everyone wants a shortcut in Everyone wants a shortcut in life, and nobody can be trusted with this power, as history has demonstrated. People are always going to find a way to print money, whether it be legitimate, you know, quote-unquote legitimate money printing through governments or people um, just printing money on their own. I think on the next slide I cover this better, and I do. So it's estimated during the time of the Civil War about one-third of all money printing I mean, about during the time of the Civil War, about one-third of all the money in circulation in the United States was counterfeit. One-third. Because all these different states had different banknotes and stuff, and everyone was just making their own money. So, like, your money in Virginia may not have been good in Massachusetts, and it was just super... Uh, messy and all over the place and it was really really easy for uh, people to just money print and print their own money and even today uh, counterfeiting is still rampant Zero Hedge reported earlier this year that a Chinese gold processor was behind a scandal involving 83 tons of fake gold bars which would account for 4.2% of the entire country's gold reserves in 2019. That's really big. You know, 80, 
um, 4.2% of the country's reserves are essentially fake. It's gold. It's, I don't know exactly what it is, but imagine like, let's say concrete or something heavy with just like a fake gold wrapping. Like that's a huge problem. You can forge gold really easily. And um, who knows what, you know, that I don't, who knows what that could do to a country's, you know, um, reserves, knowing that 4.2% of it is essentially worth literally nothing. And um, government money printing, like I said just a moment ago, is seen as quote-unquote legitimate, but it's in full force today. Um, If you, the average person, were to print money, you would get locked up, fined, and you'd get thrown away for a really long time. It, but, you know, governments and central banks do it all the time. Um, I think money printing is just a – it's a global scam. It outright steals from you. And I don't think anyone should be able to do it. So just this year, over 22% of all U.S. dollars ever created – were created in 2020 alone that is pretty frightening to think about i remember talking with uh bitcoin denver the other week and he was telling me that he was at a gas station and he was just joking around with the cashier and he said this he was like you know 22 percent of all u.s dollars were created this year and he said that two people behind them like had this just look of horror on their face because they knew that their money is being and their their value is being just printed away. So money printing, it leads to lies, deception, and unnatural money. When I mean unnatural money, I get into this later in the presentation, but I like to see money as like it originally has like a set of rules. So think of it like a game. It has a set of rules that everyone follows by until someone comes in to cheat the system and they start printing money that is outside the rules if this makes sense so it's like that money is unnatural it's not naturally a part of the current system that's just the way i see it um and let's just move on so going more into deception deception is an actor statement which misleads hides the truth or promotes a belief concept or idea that is not true it is often done for personal gain or advantage so money printing is very deceiving it goes back to the very first quote in the beginning of this presentation by henry ford that if the people of the country if the majority of the people of the country knew how money printing worked it wouldn't work Everyone wouldn't want it. Everyone would just know that U.S. dollars are worthless pieces of paper, and no one would want them. So I think there are many ways to go through this. Like, if you really want to brainwash a country, you got to start them from when they're young. I know I've tweeted out about this before, but I think that the lack of financial education in schools was strategically planned. I really think they they don't want to teach you anything about money because they don't want you to know they're screwing you over and if they do teach you about money like let's say you go to university for economics they are going to force feed you 
broken Keynesian economics that favors governments and central banks. And it's very easy to get brainwashed into thinking a certain way that you would think, oh, this is how, what economics is. This is what's you know going to benefit me, but it's really not. It's stealing from you. It's punishing you, and it's giving all the power to central banks and governments. So let's go into scarcity and the enforcement of a limited supply is critical in making it good money. The beautiful thing about Bitcoin is the 21 million gap. I mean, the 21 million cap. Having no more than 21 million coins is extremely crucial because that means no one and absolutely no one, especially when it's enforced by the miners in the nodes, that no one can uh, make more Bitcoin than 21 million. So it protects it from hyperinflation. I know we do have, you know, obviously until all 21 million coins are created, we have a set scheduled inflation of Bitcoin that goes down every four years. But no one can hyperinflate Bitcoin. And that is, it's, it's key in Bitcoin succeeding, in my opinion. So... Just kind of re, re, uh, re-saying what I said earlier is money printing only works if the majority of people don't even realize that it is steadily devaluing their earnings and savings. People must, absolutely must be deceived into believing this false ideology. The people who were deceived, aka us, the normal average person, we pay the consequences that bad money causes. I think back to the people in Venezuela. None of them had control of the money printer. They couldn't control anything. Their government did. And Nicolas Maduro did. They ran the money printer hot while they uh, absolutely shot uh, deficit spending through the roof. And their citizens, the people, they were the ones who paid the consequences for it. They were deceived into believing um, the socialistic ideologies of Nicolas Maduro, and they were the ones who paid the consequences for it. And another example of back then was the rye stones on the island of Yap, uh, with David O'Keefe coming over from Europe. I believe it was Ireland that he came from, if I remember correctly, but you can read about this more in Saifedean's book, The Bitcoin Standard, but the rye stones were huge stones that uh the islanders of yap got and these stones were like some of them ranged from you know just big stones that you couldn't hold to like stones that were bigger than the average person and like the bigger the stone was the more valuable it was and they used this as money for a long long time until david o'keefe and his buddies found out and made um I believe it was metal and steel tools and they were able to make the yap stones much smaller and transportable and long story short pretty much flooded the market until they became absolutely useless so what happened there was he was essentially money printing because if you go back to the idea that i said earlier of money having being like a game and having like a set of rules like the islanders the yap they were playing inside those rules of you know making these big stones and only getting them so often and you know their economy and their 
um, island ran really good for a long, long time until a cheater in the game came along and exposed a flaw in it, flooded the market with, you know, quote-unquote unnatural money, and completely ruined it for everyone. And the islanders paid the consequence of it by having their wealth evaporated in a very short amount of time. So we go into the effects of money printing. So wealth evaporation, society failing, decrease in food and clothing quality and more. In the article, I did not go into any or deep uh, detail on the decrease in food and clothing quality. Um, I think that's an article for future. I know I've done one on food before, but I think it could have been much better. Um, one of the most reasons, one of the most recent examples of the devastating effects of money printing happened in 2019 when the Venezuela and Bolivia experienced hyperinflation of around 2 million percent. I'm pretty sure it hit more from what I remember. Um, and again, Nicolas Maduro was elected the money printer the money printing press ran hot while deficit spending rose astronomically. Um, I'm sure Nico could touch on this a little bit better. Um, but the horrible aftermath of money printing in the more you look into what happened in Africa with the glass beads, what happened on the Yap islands with the rye stones, what happened in Venezuela is it becomes obviously apparent that the results are always the same. I mean, some are a little bit more extreme. Some have not been as extreme in like some certain details, but overall it, the wealth just evaporates. No one can afford anything like, and I mean, no one can afford anything. You can't afford to eat. You can't like, there are stories of people who get paid and then they rush to the store, and by the time they get to the store, they can't even afford a loaf of bread because the inflation is just shot up so much. And um, it's just insane. The society and state completely fails, and it goes into a free-for-all pretty much. So now we're going into you're being blatantly lied to. So... I know some Bitcoiners don't like him. Some do. I personally like him, uh, even though he hates Bitcoin or he acts like he does. But Peter Schiff says the CPI is deliberately designed to understate and mask the inflation that the Federal Reserve is creating. So what the CPI is, is called the Consumer Price Index. And what it essentially is, is that's how we calculate what the inflation rate is. So the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, they say that CPI is a measure of the average change over time in the price paid by urban customers for a market basket of consumer goods and services, food, housing, clothes, transport, medical care, recreation, and education. And that is a super simple equation, or at least it should be. But here is where things get very shady. So on the Bureau's website, 
you can download a PDF file with its exact methods of calculation. And with how simply they put it and how they always say, oh, CPI is so simple to calculate, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> it's really not. Because if you look in the, you know, the fine print and you look at this PDF, is the, the PDF is 107 pages long. Which really makes you think, well, why why does this need to be 107 pages long? Um, and to think it just calculates one simple and fundamental problem, the degree to which the money you have today will be devalued tomorrow, it's really not that uh, difficult. And it seems that the main goal of the Bureau and Labor Statistics seems not to be solving this problem but to be jumping through loopholes and twisting and turning things until they get in a low enough number to report to the public. So even like, let me set an example. So let's say real inflation goes up due to money printing. You know, the government's been printing money all year. The prices of, let's say, food, gas, you know, your medical bills, whatever it may be, clothing goes up. The government needs to calculate inflation via CPI and report it to the public to, you know, keep, you know, quote unquote, keep everyone up to date and educated. But let me look at my notes. Um, so they can report whatever numbers they want. And typically the main goal of CPI is to is to get a low, a number low as possible, as close to zero as possible. I think sometimes they aim for, well, most of the time they aim for around 2%. I shouldn't have said 0%, it's 2% per year. And a lot of the times it is more than 2%, but they always report around 2% to the public. And one of the things about this is like there are many methods of cpi they do that's why it's 107 pages and they just jump through all these loopholes like if i remember correctly off the top of my head like if you bought like one of the ways and i forgot the name of it but one of the ways it was like if you went into a store and you bought a certain amount of chicken and a certain amount of steak and the price of you know both of them rose you could like buy more steak than chicken and then like it somehow cancels out the inflation or it's something completely ridiculous that makes absolutely no sense and then they say okay well that means you know inflation's only zero to two percent so we're good and they report that to the public and a huge consequence of actual inflation going up versus the cpi inflation number that's reported is that you're losing purchasing power every single year. It's making it more difficult for you to pur purchase goods and services as well as you actually end up getting taxed more. And this is because as the CPI stays the same but the real inflation rate bumps up, the government bumps you up into a new tax bracket because you're, you know, you're getting paid more as uh, your income raises every year, you're getting paid more, but you're taking home less value 
So the government bumps you up into a new tax bracket, which you are now taxed at a higher percentage of your income, and you end up taking even less value home than before. You're getting double wrecked by the government, and you don't even realize it. Or at least, I mean, I know maybe a lot of Bitcoiners will realize, realize it, but many people don't. I, I think that they lie about inflation for political gain. And it saves the government money while stealing from its citizens. So Bitcoin fixes this. Bitcoin has all the qualities of money or of good money as mentioned in what makes money valuable. Above, unlike all previous forms of money before, which have either lacked these qualities or failed to retain them. So um, let me pull it up. So Bitcoin... It's very durable. You can't you can't destroy Bitcoin. It's there on the blockchain forever. It's very portable. We all know you can send Bitcoin to anywhere with an internet connection or a satellite connection. It's divisible up to 100 million pieces in a Bitcoin. Uniformity. Bitcoin's one-to-one. -one. All Bitcoins are just as good as the other. Garcity. There's only 21 million. Can't make any more. And acceptability, I think this is really important to say as we see more and more companies, uh, shout out to NVK who made that whole private and public company uh, list. And I know that they, uh, at least most of those companies don't accept Bitcoin yet. They're using it as a store of value. And we all know that to have a proper money, it needs to be a store of value, means of exchange, and a u unit of count. So I think that over time, Bitcoin will definitely become more and more accepted amongst companies and just retail people individually who want to pay for stuff in Bitcoin. And yeah, so... Everyone abides by the rules of the network enforced by the nodes and the miners, which keep everyone honest and prevent anyone from ever increasing the supply cap ever. You can look at historical forms of good money as having a set of rules, like I mentioned before, but I'll say it again, that the system is based on until someone comes in and you know cheats the system for selfish gain. The money created by the cheater is unnatural and ruins the game. So with the current system today, I like to think of we had a good money or, you know, at the time, good money on a gold standard until 1971 when Nixon took us off the gold standard and made the fiat standard. And I see that as a way to cheat the game because you couldn't really print more gold you can't print more gold like you can uh, fiat. So the cheater found a way to hack the system and make it so he can print as much money as he wants for his own personal and political gain. But Bitcoin is a superior money compared to hyperinflatable currencies. It doesn't bear the same problems that have come with forms of money. It doesn't bear the same problems with this. Uh, that come with the forms of money from the past, and it prevents the issues mentioned from happening above again. The impacts of a currency that 
can never be hyperinflated look extremely promising. We will have to see how it plays out. No one knows the future, but it looks very promising. Uh, I like to think that it has the potential to usher in a new renaissance or industrial revolution. And that is the end. Thank you all for listening. And do we have any questions or comments? Uh, that was good shit, Nick. <laughs> Thank you a lot, Nick. It was it was pretty great. Uh, really appreciate you putting together the presentation. One thing I wanted to I wanted to add here is recently I just redid the calculation again. So taxation uh, actually brings just six percent um, to government of what they spend every year. So like, why do they keep taxing us if it's only six percent of what they need to? to go through the next year, right? So it doesn't really bring money in. It's just an instrument of uh, control, a control weapon. So just let that sink in as well. Yeah, I agree. I don't think they care about their citizens at all. I think they just want to control them in every possible way. And I know that... um, it's a discussion for later tonight, but um, when we talk about central bank digital currencies, I think that's a whole new form of uh, government control. So does anyone else have any uh, questions, comments, or anything before we end off this segment? That was an awesome presentation, Nick. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, I just want to... Do we know how many... Oh, go, Tony, go. Sorry, do you know how many people are running the Fed? How many people are actually making decisions on the money printing? Off the top of my head, I can't say an exact number, but I'm sure it's not many. I think there there's under 20 Fed governors, so not much. Yeah, that is just... It's, it's honestly criminal that that few of people decide the fate and how everyone else uh, uses money. You know, money is just literally trading your time and effort in exchange for goods and services and storing your time and value in a money, and they play with it like it's monopoly money. It's, it's a giant scam. That was awesome presentation. Um, I really like that you covered the uh, the uh, CPI stuff, um, and I've I've heard that they have like certain allocations for different like sectors that you could spend in, like transportation, for example, like make up like forty percent of it or something around there, and then uh, but they kept that like during lockdowns um, when no one was going anywhere, uh, so. And transportation costs dropped significantly, so it really didn't match up with where consumer spending was. Um, but they yet, yet that still factored into the CPI calculation. I just mm. want to put that out there. Yeah, like none of it, none of it ever makes sense. Like I, re- the day I found out that they have a a, a PDF with 107 pages filled with different ways they can jump through these you know these stupid loopholes to pull whatever number they can it i it's just such a blatant scam it's it's so disrespectful to their citizens
beautiful presentation. Yeah, another thing I thought was funny. And Go, Andrew. Yeah, I hope the crickets aren't too bad in the background. But um, you mentioned Richard Nixon taking us off the gold standard in 71. <clears throat> and I just thought a funny thing about that was he actually said it would be a temporary removal. I don't know if you mentioned that, but there's a when he gives the speech, he literally says that this is an exact quote. He says, your dollar will be worth just as much tomorrow as it is today. So, yeah, I think it's uh, pretty funny. And literally everything uh, temporary the government does ends up being permanent. Mm -hmm. and, that, and that leads straight back into the lies and deception that leads to unnatural money. Leads perfectly right into the title of this uh, article and presentation. It's, it's, p, it's pretty sad that a lot of people fall for this, and I know I used to as well before I started studying Bitcoin and Austrian economics. But it's like once you start learning about Bitcoin and you start actually understanding like real economics, you just see right through the bullshit. Yeah, definitely. That was an awesome presentation, man. I got some screenshots. Thank you. Appreciate that. Let's go. Yeah, uh, Fartface, FF2K, did a, did a solid tweet. He's like, uh, I'm on Bitcoin Kindergarten. I learned 22% of all USD was created in the last year. If that doesn't scare the shit out of you, I don't know what will. So, Nick, making some waves out there already. Let's go. We're educating people. Um... <laughs> Yeah, but uh, if no one has any more uh, questions or comments on this topic, we'll uh, we'll wrap this one up and then we'll go into teachers' lounge and and have a more of a free flowing conversation. So, any 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 last comment, guys, or forever hold your peace. All right, I guess on that note, Nick, you want to wrap it up? Sure. Thanks, uh, and shout out to everyone who came out for tonight's presentation. You guys make the show every single week, and it's so nice to see everyone come out week after week after week, and especially getting some new faces in here every single week. So really appreciate it. You guys make the show, and next week we're going to have another great episode. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Uh, I think this is episode 31, and uh, we'll, we'll see you if you stick around for Teacher's Lounge or come back next week. All right. Peace out, guys. Peace.